and he shall be called. The one who cried out, Where are you, when we ran away from home? The one who drew us near, even as we scorned our family name. The one who celebrated in the heavens at our birth and leaned in close to name us in truth. The one who has never forgotten, has never overlooked, was never too busy, and has never left. The one who in correction proclaimed, this is my son and my daughter. The one who boasted to angels, this is my child. The one who wipes away tears and tends to scraped knees. The one who paid it all so we could cry Abba. The one who defends, celebrates, disciplines, and throws us on his shoulders. The one who is the Messiah, Christ our Savior, who is coming again. He shall be called Everlasting Father. Some 800 years before Jesus was born on the earth, Isaiah wrote this in Isaiah 9, verse 2, prophesying the moment when light would pierce the darkness. It says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them has light shone. We see that reflected in John chapter one when he says, the light, the true light which enlightens every man was coming into the world. Advent means coming, very simply. We celebrate the first coming of Jesus in this season over the next four weeks. Obviously, we're leading up to Christmas, the celebration of the coming of Christ the first time when the light dawned on those dwelling in the land of deep darkness, amen? The light has come, the light has shone. But do you know that the light is coming again? And in this Advent season, we're gonna be remembering the first coming, the first arrival of Jesus. And we're gonna be stirring our hearts and preparing our hearts in anticipation of his second coming. You know he's coming back. It says here in Isaiah, it goes on in verse six and seven, chapter nine, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. That's good news in 2021 in America, okay, let me tell you. It says that his name shall be called, we exist in this valley to lift up the names of Jesus. Because when we lift up Jesus, he draws on into himself. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government, we were singing this earlier, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Advent means coming. It is the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. And you know, Jesus came, he arrived the first time. Sometimes we say he came once as a suffering servant. The Jews missed it. The Jews 
were expecting something different. They were expecting a conquering Messiah. What they got round one was a suffering, humble, once for all sacrifice. Do you know that in his second advent, though, the Jews will get what they thought they were getting the first time? He's coming back as conquering king. And of the increase of our king of kings government, there shall be no end. He's called the prince of peace because a prince is one with authority. And Jesus will come and in his authority, did you see that? In Isaiah 9, that he will establish his government with justice and with righteousness. Oh man, the justice of God. Do you know actually that the foundations of his throne, Psalm says, are, are righteousness and justice? Oh, we need a king. We need a prince of peace. We need a throne established on the earth. And I'm telling you, in this Advent season, it is coming. If it's been a while since you let your heart go there, I am giving you permission. We are giving you permission. We are inviting you to stir up your hope for his second arrival. I don't know if it's gonna happen next month in a couple years in our lifetime. I know that things are shaking in ways they've never shaken before. I know that all across the earth there are cries for the God of justice to come like maybe never before. You know, the early church had a saying they had a word, it was Maranatha. Anybody ever heard of this word? They would greet one another. Maranatha, it meant Lord, come quickly. 2,000 years ago, they lived with a very present hope that he was coming back soon. Oh, how much sooner? How much sooner are we then, right? Advent, the arrival of a notable person. What's it called when you're watching or anticipating the arrival of someone? What's it called when you're watching or anticipating the arrival? Maybe you're just sitting on the curb after school, right, hoping your mom didn't forget about you. What's that called? It's simple, I'm not trying to trick you. You're just waiting, right? You're just waiting, right? And you wouldn't wait there for your mom if you didn't have a certain measure of hope that she was coming back for you, right? And that's what's so interesting. In the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, the Bible uses several words interchangeably to carry this, this idea of waiting and of hope. I, I discovered this several years ago when I first started studying the Bible. I had this keyword study Bible, had all these different like, you know, annotations in the margin and different translations of words, and, and I would read through Psalms. And every time I would read the word wait, in the Psalms, there would be a little mark by it. I'd go to my margin and it would suggest an alternative translation for the word wait was hope. And so I dug into that a little bit more this week. I found four different Hebrew words and it's fascinating. I just wanna unpack this a little bit. Four different Hebrew words for waiting and hoping and expectation. They're all kind of used interchangeably, but there's this word yahal. It means to wait, to hope to expect. There's a word kava. It means to wait or look eagerly for. Check this out. It, it also means to bind with a rope. 
okay? So the, one of the Hebrew words from this Hebrew word kavah is the, the Hebrew word tikvah. It's from that same root, root word, and it literally means a rope or a cord, okay? So check this out. Can I actually, uh, yeah, somebody come help me. Can I get a, oh, come on, Blake Staley, come on. All right, because I gotta hold the mic. Just hop up here, bro, come on, come on. Hey, by the way, dude, thank you for bringing your sister to Salt Lake City to lead us in worship, okay? If you did not know, such a, such a treasure. Okay, so there's something about this, 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 word, this Hebrew word. We just read weight, and we're like, okay, in English, it's like there's not that much of a picture there, right? But in Hebrew, one of the words literally is a rope or a cord. I wanna show you three things from this Hebrew word rope, okay? Number one is when you pull a rope tight, okay, there is a tension. Waiting and hoping is a place of tension, y'all. We have promises from God. We are waiting to see. We are hoping on a coming, and it is hard, and there is a tension. Do you feel the tension of your waiting? Do you feel the tension of your hope? This isn't just waiting on the Lord's coming. This is waiting for anything. Some of you guys are waiting, ladies, to meet your husband. Some of you moms or future moms, you're waiting to have your first child. Okay, there is a tension in your hope. Hebrew word for, for hope is a rope, okay? Number two, okay, grab that. Give me this back, or actually, yeah. Now, if we were to start to twist this together, okay, if you twist a couple of ropes together, what happens? What happens to this waiting? What happens to this rope when you twist them together? Somebody who's a rock climber, tell me. They get stronger, right? You know that verse in the scripture, a cord of three strands is not easily broken? Okay, the, the reason why the Hebrew uses this word rope is because you're not supposed to wait alone. If you're waiting or hoping alone, your waiting is weak. But this, when you wrap your hope together with some other people, look around this room for a second. Look around this room for a second. Look, you are not alone in whatever you're hoping and waiting for in, in regards to Jesus. The things that you need him to do in your life, look, there are other people in this room probably hoping for some of the same stuff. Our advent, our waiting season of going, Lord, Maranatha, come quickly. Man, our earth is breaking. Our earth is shaking. Where, what are, where do we even live right now? It's like unrecognizable from 18, 20 months ago, right? We need a savior, right? And we have one, and he's coming back, right? But as we twist this thing together, our, we, we strengthen. So look, there's an endurance needed. That's why we talk about our togetherness here. Man, church, look, the holiday season, I get it, is one of those seasons where it's so easy to feel alone. Please, don't get sucked into being alone over the next four weeks. Be here. We'll be here every Sunday. Look, you have no excuse to, to, to being alone and on your own because we're gonna be here every Sunday, okay? A lot of your life groups, they're still gonna be hanging out every week. Heck, just come knock on my door. We're there every day, okay? Seriously, well, look, we're, our door is open. If you need to be together, just come on, okay? Because we, we are strengthened as we're waiting together. But here's the last thing, okay? Check this out. So... Let me see, what am I trying to do here? I'm not gonna make you put, put this on, don't worry. Switch me again, hold this side. All right, so if I was to embarrass myself and put on this climbing harness, which I am not going to, all right? <laughs> then I would actually, 
Any climbers in the room? I know we live in Salt Lake City, okay? We got some rock climbers, so check it out. I would work a figure eight knot through here, put this harness on, okay? And so the, the, this is very important. This is, might be the most significant one, okay? If I was wearing, okay, guys, I'll just put it on for a second, okay? I know you wanted, you're all looking at me. Phil, I can see you smiling back there. He's just telling me. This is our togetherness, bro. Togetherness, dude. Phil's just like smiling at me, just saying like, put on the harness, dude. Everybody wants you to, to put on the harness, okay? Come on, Ben House, skinny. What are we doing here? All right, so, so check this out. We're not gonna tie this whole thing, all right? But, but listen, your hope, the, the Hebrew word, I'm not, I'm, look, I'm not a cute illustration guy. If you've been here, I've been preaching for three months, okay? I'm not the cute illustration dude, okay? Look, but look, the Hebrew word for rope has an imagery and a depth that God is speaking to us through this morning. Because listen, your hope is what you are attached to, okay? Listen, your hope is what holds you, okay? Look, look, your hope is what you are attached to, to hold you, to give you a sense of security, to give you a sense that you're not gonna let me fall. This is one of my best brothers over here. I'm hoping in him. There is an attachment that happens. Thank you, dude. Blake Staley, come on. Love you, bro. There is an attachment that happens to your hope. Okay, now look, look. I took my boys, I just told you that hope is what holds you, right? Hope is what you are attached to and it's what holds you. We're gonna get into this first page of this Advent thing tonight, but listen, we've gotta talk about full hope and false hope real quick. I took my boys to the rock climbing gym, to Momentum, uh, just this past Monday, their first day of uh, Thanksgiving break, okay? And look, the first few times that they reached the top of the wall, which is up there for like a six-year-old, okay? The first few times, okay, they would just like, like cling, right? I'm like, come on down, like, you know? And they, they like wouldn't, they didn't get it yet. It was their first time rock climbing. And they would just suck, you know, I was like, no, no, just, just lean back. Do you have me? I'm like, yeah, you, you watched me tie the rope to your harness, right? Like we did the whole like on belay, belay, like you know you're on belay, right? Like, but they're, they're up at the top of the wall and, and they still, they weren't sure. And it was, it was fascinating, but look, look, there was a moment at the top of the wall that they had to lean back and trust that they were attached to their father. Hope is what holds you. It is what you are attached to, okay? And, I'm, and it, they would never have climbed that wall without their attachment to their father. They never would have. So another way to say it is, hope is what you're trusting to hold your future. Hope is what you are trusting to keep you safe. And during this Advent season, our main goal, number one, is to lift up the names of Jesus as the one true hope, the one who holds our future. And as we see him and reflect on his character, I really believe that our hearts are gonna be lifted out of some stuff. Because if we're honest, if we were all to trace our rope, okay, go with me for a second. We're all wearing a harness, and you will all attach to something. Remember, that's called your hope. Hope is what holds you. And if we were all to trace our rope, I wonder how many of our ropes would truly lead back to the Father. I wonder how many of our ropes would truly lead back 
to the hope of the second coming of Jesus. We're gonna look and actually see how Peter instructs our hope. But look, we have to be honest about our attachments. This Advent season is about lifting up the nature and the names of God. That's our main goal. But look, as we do that, I'm trusting him to break some fear off of our lives, to crush some anxiety. Because look, your false attachments, they're not serving you. They're actually hindering you. And so there's some anxiety that comes when our hope's not securely connected. There's some depression that comes when our future's in question. Look, there's some joy that starts to evade us when our hope, hope deferred makes the heart sick, Proverbs says, right? Check out 1 Peter 13, it says this. 1 Peter, sorry, 1.13. It says, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set some of your hope on the, wait, sorry, that's not what it says. Um, preparing, I was just seeing if y'all were reading it with me or just <laughs> glossing over, okay. Uh, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, say it with me, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The Bible is very, very clear. You got hope, you don't have any hope in your life, you're struggling to find your hope, the Bible's super, super clear. There is only one secure attachment for your hope in your future, and it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is the grace that is coming for you. Do you know that grace is coming for you? Advent was anticipating his first arrival. And in this season, I said, we're celebrating and remembering his first arrival, but guys, more than ever, we need to start anticipating his second arrival. And look, this is not a, this is not a freaky, weird, end times thing. This is addressing the true need for our heart to have a secure future. Hope deals with your future completely deals with your future. Now look, the thing about this harness over here is that there's only room for one knot to be tied, right? And so just be honest, right? How many of you can honestly say you were sitting around all Thanksgiving week just setting your hope fully on Christ's return? Hey man, if you could raise your hand, you're probably not, because if that's you, you're so humble, you wouldn't even raise your hand, okay? But, but look, you're like, come on, man, be realistic, you know? Like, I was just hoping for like a few days off work and like some decent turkey that wasn't overcooked, you know? Like, come on, look, that's normal, and it's natural and human. You got off work on Tuesday or Wednesday, right? And you were not hoping for Christ's return. You were hoping for Thanksgiving meal right? And then you stuffed all of that hope down your mouth. You overdid that false hope, okay? Look, and you got sick to your stomach and realized, wow, that wasn't nearly as satisfying as I hoped it would be, you know? And they're like, well, maybe leftovers on Friday are gonna be a little bit better, you know what I mean? And you just keep pushing your hope down the road to some other temporary attachment, right? When if you would just oh, listen to the word of God, he's saying, look, push your hope all the way down the road to the grace that's coming to you when Jesus comes back for you. That's the Advent season, okay? Now, Look, we always look ahead to the future. Man, this is gonna convict me so bad, all right? We always look ahead to the future and use the future to medicate some sense of lack that we have in the present. 
I can only say that because I live that, okay? You only get that kind of revelation when you, you go, oh, wow, man, I'm just constantly, we've done this our whole lives, right? High school, you can't wait to get to college. College, you can't wait to graduate and make some money, right? Money, young adult, you can't wait to spend some of that money on a wife, and then you get married, cool, let's just, you get married for like four minutes, you're like, oh man, we need a house, right? Oh, we got this house now, I'm gonna live, we gotta fill it with kids, right? And then you get to several kids down the road, and you're just like, I just want some sleep. <laughs> like the culmination of all my life's hope, it's like, I just want a nap, you know? Like, I'm not asking for a vacay to Mexico, like, just 60 minutes alone, you know? But are, am I right? Our whole lives, we just push our hope down the road thinking that the next season or the next achievement or the next life stage or the next marriage or kid, right? Oh, man, and we, we find ourselves every Sunday after Thanksgiving going, man, that was not nearly as satisfying as I hoped it was gonna be. Because <laughs> you were never meant to be attached to that as your full hope. Your attachment is always meant, just like my kids, up on the top of the rock wall. Man, your rope was always meant to be tied back to the Father. And so tonight, we're gonna take the time that we have left to look at the everlasting Father. And we're kicking off this four-week Advent series. We're exalting four different names of God. The everlasting Father, the wonderful Counselor, the King of Kings and Emmanuel. And our team, guys, is so incredible because here's the deal. I got an email invite like back in October. This is a true story. Like first week of October from the team saying, hey, we need to have a meeting to talk about our Advent. And I like had to read it twice. I'm like, wait, wait. I looked at my calendar. I'm like, is it still October? <laughs> you know, like why are we talking about Advent? You know, like because these guys are amazing. They're forward thinking and they're like, look, if we plan ahead, we can listen ahead. So October like 12th, I'm in our conference room with our team and we're waiting on God saying, speak, Lord, about Advent. What do you wanna say? We're two months out and we're, God begins to download to us this emphasis on the power of his name. And so then our team goes to work and how many of you guys got one of these on the way in? Hold it up if you got it, wave it at me. Okay, great. Well, there's a lot more out there, okay, for those that you didn't snag them. But listen, please grab one on the way out because this is a season that we wanna walk through together as a family, all right? And so there's four different names for four different weeks, but the activities for each week are interchangeable, okay? So every week is gonna have a place in your book where you could take sermon notes now since you know, not many of y'all grab, grabbed it on the way in, we kind of missed that one today, but look, carry this thing with you, put it in your journal. It's got a place where you can press in and do scripture readings. There's a devotional written uh, for each week. I'm flipping, oh, here we go. Uh, rooted in the word, there's, there's prayers, calling on the name of Jesus. There's opportunities to listen and let God minister this attribute to you. There's, it's, there's opportunities to, to do this in community. And so this, I just wanna say, man, you guys crushed it. I literally read this thing. Look, it's okay if you hear Advent and you're like, huh? I, that was me until they gave me this book, <laughs> seriously. I have never fully understood the power of anticipation 
and of leaning into this expectation that something, someone good is coming. And so this is a resource to help us kind of lean into and lean through the weeks together. And man, I'm just gonna tell you guys, look, they even put these like ornaments in there for your tree, okay? This is like, do it with the kids, do it with the family, okay? This is gonna be a powerful thing to walk through together. But tonight, I just, in the, in the time that we have left, we have to kick this thing off with the everlasting Father. Because all of us find ourselves up on the rock wall at some point, okay? Or you find yourself not one of them. I watched my boys do it the whole time we were there. I was belaying for like three hours. I got five kids, my three oldest boys, okay? Talk about a neck crick. I mean, oh my goodness, three hours. I'm just belaying my kids up this rock wall. And I watch them every time. Look, we get stuck. We get scared, right? We get intimidated. We get like, I don't know if I can make it. I mean, can we just be honest? Last 18 months, have you gotten stuck on the wall? Have you been like, I don't know if I can make it, Dad? Have you gotten to a point where you're like, are you still holding me? You know, like, what am I attached? Here's the deal. If you were attached to the Father, okay, you were, the wall was still shaken, okay? The wall was shaken for everybody. But if you were attached to the Father, you at least knew he's got me, okay? If you were attached to something else, you started to go down. Do you know that it's the mercy of God to reveal your false hope attachments? It is his kindness to help you trace your rope back and see what am I really tied to? What am I really trusting my future with? And if you get to the end of that rope, and I'm just gonna tell you in love, like, and I have had to do this so many times in my life, it's embarrassing, okay? But you get to the end of that rope and you realize it's attached to something other than the Father, you need to get out your knife, your scissors, your torch, and you need to cut that thing. And you need to be intentional about severing that attachment in your life so that you can connect to the Father. Check this out. Jesus, his entire ministry on the earth, guys, his entire ministry on the earth was to reveal the Father. I want you to look at Hebrews 1. Check this out. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. And we're going to fly because I told the band to come up here in five minutes, all right, which means will you just buckle up and let me blast it for like five minutes? Can we do that on, on Father God? Okay, check it out. Hebrews 1, long ago. Somebody say long ago. At many times in as many ways. Somebody say many ways. God spoke. Say, praise God that he's speaking. God spoke at many times and in many ways to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. Now, look, look, look. God has been speaking. Look, it, in many ways and at many times, God has been speaking for thousands of years, man. Just ask somebody, where'd we get this book from? Because God's been speaking several thousand years. But check it out. Several thousand years of God speaking and telling us who he is culminated in these last days he's spoken to us by his son. Look, here's what I want you to know. The final and full revelation of God about himself was to show us a son, and then to have that son walk around on the earth and talk about nothing but 
his father. Look, there's a lot of analogies for God in, in the word. That they're beautiful, and there's, there's, we can learn from all of them. But the preeminent, the highest, the most culminating final revelation to the earth was a son attached to his father. The word became flesh, John 1, and dwelt among us. We've seen his glory. Glory as of the what? Read it with me. Only son from the father. There's not up there. Okay, great. So John 1, 14, okay? Glory as of the, let's try it again. We got it? Only son from the father. Okay, go down to verse 17. Look, the law was given through Moses. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who's at the father's side. He has made him known. Do you see that? Jesus was at the father's side. He left the father's side. He belayed. Maybe he repelled. I don't know how that worked. I know that he didn't break his attachment though, okay? He came down from the father to reveal the father. And look, this is so important for us, guys. There's three things about the Father that I wanna highlight tonight, but I'm not gonna highlight them so that you can have more information about the Father. I'm gonna highlight them so that you can see where you need the Father to touch you tonight. Because as we were praying earlier, the Holy Spirit spoke and said, every single person needs a touch from a Heavenly Father. Every single person, me included. I'm probably gonna get down here in a few minutes, I'm gonna be honest, and I'm gonna, let, I'm gonna ask people to pray for me. Because this is a flat level playing field. We all need a touch from Father God. There's three things I feel like he's highlighting for us about his, his nature as everlasting Father, okay? Number one, he wants to have fellowship with you. He is not distant, he is not disinterested, and he is not too busy to hang out with you and connect with you. First John 1, Verse three says, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, but in the fellowship of a good father, there's, there's supposed to be this balance in the Father's heart where he's showing affection, he's speaking affirmation, and he's bringing correction. And that good fathers on the earth have a, a blending of those three things in their heart. Now, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm a snuggle daddy all the way. I'm like, I'm like you know, physical like touch. That is my love language. So there are times where to show affection to my kids. I have five kids, okay? So I know a little bit about being a father, okay? It's, it's, but there are times where I'll literally just go lay down on the carpet in some room in my house by myself, and I'll just shout out through the house, Daddy needs some snuggles! And I'll just wait, okay? And I'll hear like the pitter-patter, and I'm like waiting, who's gonna get me first, you know? And in some, it just depends on proximity, you know, and we got a split level, so stairs, right? And we got a two-year-old, but it's so fun, and my kids will come, and they'll just, they'll just start to pile. Sometimes it's just one, and they're like, oh yeah, I got here first, and I'm like taking this, this spot by myself, you know? Sometimes I'll end up in a dog pile, because good father, man, you need to know, he is full of affection, full of affection for his sons and daughters. The Bible says in Zephaniah 3, he's full of so much affection that when he holds you in his arms, he starts to sing spontaneously over you. 
I never understood that God rejoices over his sons and daughters with singing until we had our firstborn. And I'm sitting there and he's in my arm for you know, three weeks old and I start singing like some, you're amazing, I love you. I'm like singing this horrible song just about my love for him. And I was like, and God said, Zephaniah three, you're doing it. You're rejoicing over your son with singing. Your heavenly father is a God of affection. Listen, he is not distant from you. Your father on the earth may have been. Look, I got, there's not enough time for me to tell you my father journey, but, but, but I'll tell you, this has been the, the journey of my life to understand that God truly loves me, is not distant, and wants to be close in fellowship with me. And so I'm gonna ask you in a minute, if you need a breakthrough in your fellowship with the Father, I'm gonna ask you to be bold and raise your hand because what's about to happen here is you're all gonna be the ministry team today. So if you came to do spectator church here, I need you to cut that rope because that's a false hope expectation. It's not happening today, okay? The good Father is about fellowship with you and affection for you. And in that place of affection, he speaks affirmation. He reminds you who you are. This has been one of the most important things in my walk with God. I've had to just ask him so many times. Again, it's embarrassing. I have journals full of me just saying, God, who do you say that I am? Would you remind me today? Because I didn't always get my father's affirmation. My dad did the best job he could do. He's a great, loving, warm man. I'm so grateful for him. But I, I didn't always hear who I was. I oftentimes felt what I wasn't. You know, but Jesus comes up out of the water and Father God in heaven speaks and he says, this is my beloved son. He's like, you need to know two things about him. I love him and I'm pleased with him. I feel like I've been fighting for 20 years to hear the I'm pleased with you part. Men, you know what I'm talking about. We'll run on this hamster wheel our whole life, man, wondering if God's pleased with me. God's pleased with me, right? And day one, he already said, you're my beloved son in Christ. Get off the wheel, man. Some of you men in the room, you need to let God speak into this place. If you're anything like me, it's, it's been the journey of my life. He wants to have fellowship with you. He wants to hold your future for you. This is the second piece if the hope for your future is not connected back to your father and the coming of Christ and him being the hope of the world, you need to cut that thing tonight. Look, we never before, in the face of this pandemic over the last 18 months, you know what's happened? Everybody's freaked out about their future, and so the world has given us all of their solutions AKA all of their false attachments for how you can feel safe. And some of us, because our rope wasn't securely attached to the Father, when another attachment for my future came along, we said, sweet, I'll take that. But there's only room for one rope on your harness. And if you've come out of this last 18 months and your hope is in some man-made solution or some governmental promise or idea, in love, that rope will not hold you. And you're probably feeling already how shaky your attachment is there. Cut it. Land your future with your father. 
The third thing you need to know, he wants to have fellowship with you. He wants to hold your future for you. And you just need to know in general that he is fighting for you. He is not against you. Romans 8 says, as God is for us, who can be against us? What shall separate us from the love of God? Some of us feel separated from his love right now. We feel like God's against me. No, 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 he is fighting for you. And so, so here's what we're gonna do. I want you to stand up with me, okay? And if one of these things, look, I, I, the church is not about a few people standing on a stage. Please believe that and hear our heart. Sometimes you come to church and you need to receive. Sometimes you come to church and you're in a place where you need to give. I'm trusting you to discern in the Lord where you're at. There is no shame or pride on either side, okay? But look, if you came tonight and you need to receive a breakthrough and fellowship with God, your Father, I want you to raise your hand. You're having a hard time connecting with your Father. Thank you so much. You're so brave. Get your hand up. I need a breakthrough. Okay, if you came with something to give tonight, look around, and if you came, keep your hand up, keep your hand up until somebody is praying for you. That's your idea, okay? Go look around, pray for somebody. Number two, if you need a breakthrough for your future, okay, keep your hand up till somebody comes to pray for you. If you need to cut a false attachment for your future hope, raise your hand. You've put your future hope in something else. Be bold. Come on, thank you. You're so brave. Keep your hand up. Church, go pray for people. Hands are up all over the room. Go pray for somebody. Keep your hand up till you're prayed. Somebody's there. Tell them what you need and then pray for their breakthrough, okay? Now, number three, if you just need to know tonight that God is for you, not against you, that he's your father in heaven, he's fighting for you in this moment, raise your hand. Raise your hand if you need to just know that he's for you. I got some hands over here. Go find, if you got something to give, church, go pray. Pray for a breakthrough in Jesus' name. We say, come Holy Spirit, minister the Father's heart to us tonight. Minister the heart of the everlasting Father tonight. Come and break the orphan spirit in this place. We're just gonna sit here for about two or three minutes and then we're gonna shift and do one more thing together, all right? So just stay here in this place of prayer. Holy Spirit, come.